I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. At the heart of this thing we call Christianity is paradox. All right? Here's what I mean. Is Jesus fully God or fully man? Yes. Right? How about this one? We believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Wait, wait, wait. Is God one or is God three? Yes. Central to what it means for us to be people that are following Jesus in this way is to get into and get comfortable with paradox. It's intrinsic to this faith. But the thing is, it's not like um, something that is in competition with the faith or it's not like a weakness. In fact, it's its strength because it's in learning how to comprehend paradox that we grow, that we change, that we develop. In fact, there's that Carl Jung quote about how paradox is the only way we come anywhere near comprehending the fullness of life. It's like what is most true under this whole thing is something that exists beyond binaries. It is a both and, a yes to the either or question. God has some paradox up in God's self. Are you with me? Now, I bring this up because today is the feast of the baptism of our Lord. And baptism introduces us into all kinds of paradoxes, too. I want to show you one today. Um, so let's talk about that gospel reading. Um, we have Matthew's account of Jesus' baptism. And basically, Jesus leaves his home region, Galilee. It's up north um, in his, his land of Israel. And he kind of goes south to where John is baptizing people at the Jordan River. And Jesus shows up, and he's like, you should baptize me. And John's like, I feel weird about it. And Jesus like, it's going to be weird if you don't. And John's like, okay. And so Jesus is baptized. And essentially, what's happening in the way that this story gets told is it's shot full of symbolism, okay? This spot where Jesus and John are standing is loaded with meaning. This is the place where their ancestors crossed over into the promised land carrying the Ark of the Covenant. This is where, after they had wandered in the desert for 40 years, they finally moved in under the leadership of Joshua to in, into the land that God had promised them. Jesus means Joshua, just so you know. Spoiler. All right. Also, this spot in the Jordan River is where Elijah and Elisha, like, passed the baton between the two great prophets of their ancestors. Um, and even John the Baptist is meant to emulate Elijah. He's dressed like him. They talk, they, the scriptures describe him that way. So this is like a spot where one thing ends and something new begins. There's a baton passing. And, and basically the reason Jesus is getting baptized is because he's showing that what John was doing really was what God was up to in bringing about the healing of the world. Um, and the, the promise of the Messiah, it's just now going to have a baton pass from John to Jesus. And so that's why Jesus is getting baptized in the first place. Now, here's the other thing that's really cool about the way this story gets told, right? Jesus goes into the Jordan River, which is made up of what? Water. You're like, mud. If you've ever seen it, it ain't clean. Don't drink it. Um, you go into, he goes into the water, and he comes out of the water. And when he comes out of the water, it says that the Spirit of God alights on him, descends, um, hovers 
over Jesus, and a voice speaks from God. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. This is a massive callback. This is like copyright infringement level cribbing with Genesis 1. Jesus' ancestors, his scriptures, the origin poem about what is most true in this creation. You have the beginning, before any of this exists, it says, the earth was formless and void. It was a watery chaos. And over that watery chaos, the spirit hovers. And then God speaks, and light and life come to pass. And so you see that in this chaos, this is like the raw material that God acts on to bring about new creation. Because what's happening in Jesus is this creation that God intended to go one way, but sin has caused an alien presence of death to enter the, the picture. God's going to get what God wants. And so God is healing and restoring this broken creation through Jesus, and in Jesus, new creation is going to be happening as the Spirit hovers over the water. All right? Jesus calls this new creation the kingdom of God. That's how he talks about it, like when he's out and about doing his ministry. And he's basically saying, the way the world is meant to be when everything is ordered like it's supposed to be ordered, that is happening in me and in my ministry. It is going to be accomplished. And so Jesus is all about inviting this kingdom reality, okay? Which brings me back to paradox. I'm moving fast, I promise. This is not a long sermon, okay? <laughs> I promise. All right. When Jesus is in these waters, right, he is bringing this new kingdom. And yet, that is happening at the same time he is immersed, and because he is immersed, in the waters of chaos. It's like Jesus shows us in his baptism that his work on earth is going to be one where he is straddling this line, right? He, between chaos and the kingdom. And what you start to see Jesus doing and how he works and how he moves and interacts is he like goes into places where there is chaos, where human flourishing is diminished, where the true humanity is like at deep risk, where there's vulnerability, and he's like introduces that space to a reordered reality, the kingdom of God. Here's what it looks like when things are ordered correctly. Let's do it this way. Or he'll proclaim something true about God's world, how things are supposed to be, and then he'll contrast it with what's happening right in this space. Chaos meet kingdom. Kingdom meet chaos. Jesus is about holding both of those things in paradoxical contention. For Jesus in his baptism, is it kingdom? Is it chaos? Yes. Which means that for those of us who follow Jesus into these waters of baptism, our job is to go to the places of chaos in our world too. Our role as Christian people is not to sit in a pretty church and be pretty, which we totally are, right? It is to, as, to train in a way of life here so that we enter the places in our world where humanity is most at risk where things are not like they're supposed to be, where there's serious vulnerability, where things are desperate. That is where the baptized go. We go to the places of chaos and we introduce it to kingdom. It doesn't have to be ordered this way. We're going to do it this way. Or we recognize and we live out in ourselves and we demonstrate kingdom realities and we contrast them 
with the chaotic. And we say it's not meant to be like this. It's meant to be like this. This is the work of the baptized, which is why it's a head trip for you guys, okay? Because everything about you when your kid is this age says protect them. Keep them safe. Don't expose them. You know, this is why you start getting like super angst when social media is going to come online. Like, when do they get the phone? When are they allowed to watch PG movies? You're already having this conversation. I know your parents. I know what they're up to. I know what they're exposing them to. Tarantino is grown-up stuff, guys. <laughs> but like, the instinct is to protect, right? But actually, the work of the baptized is we introduce. We're like, come and let me show you. Things are not right in this space. Let me show you why it's not right, and then what we do as Jesus' people to make it that way, right? Um, and that's not solo work. The work of the baptized, entering the chaos, introducing the kingdom, it's a team sport. It's all of our work. That's what we do. Y'all are going to make promises for these kids today because we need each other. Safety is not a value of the kingdom of God. That's why we need each other when we get into this. As Rowan Williams says, you cannot go down into the waters of the Jordan in baptism and expect not to stir up a whole lot of mud. So here's the invitation. Where are you already in proximity to the chaotic realities of our world? Where are, the th are things in your orbit around you, you're interacting with uh, this world in Winston-Salem, and you see things that are not as they're meant to be? And what would it mean for you to introduce that chaos to some kingdom? To be someone that steps in and does the work to reorder it? to make it as it's meant to be, to give yourself, your resource, your time, your talent to that. It could be something you're already doing. It could be like you're already serving the poor. You're already um, in a place where you're feeding the hungry, right? It could be stuff like that. It could also be something like where the, the spot you occupy in your family system. Does anybody feel like sometimes family gets a little chaotic? Don't say anything. Your families are here. But... Sometimes the spot you hold in like a family or a friend group or a social circle, like you become this agent of kingdom when there's chaos. Like you're the one who's not going to keep the gossip going. You're the one who's not going to hold that resentment like everybody else does. You know what I'm saying? Right? Another thing baptized people realize though is not only is the chaos out there, but sometimes the chaos is in here. Sometimes it's the choices that we have made that are chaotic in our own hearts. It's the things done and left undone. It's the things we said, it's the things we did. It's the sin that we nurture that sometimes we look at and we're like, oh yeah, I need some kingdom in here through repentance, through confession. This is the work of the baptized. This is what we're gonna do. This is terrifying. It should come with like a health warning. And yet, the paradox is it is the only way of life and to life. So my friends, may you take up your cross and follow Jesus into the waters of baptism, embracing the paradox of chaos and kingdom. And may you find that way of the cross of self-sacrificial love to be the only way of life. Amen.